In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizens Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you. It was judicious to be here today. This is episode number 35. We're still in season two, and we've just finished the Back to Basics series of episodes, and now we're moving into just a, a usual set of episodes for the time being. Today, specifically, we're going to be talking more about patriotism. Um, it's timely because we're starting to see some of the sentencing and, and some of the responses of the judiciary to some of the individuals who stormed the Capitol earlier this year around January 6th or on the day of January 6th, the date that should live in infamy, infamy for now on. It is an interesting uh, experiment in democracy that we're watching. Uh, we're seeing the three branches of government, which rightfully so have their uh, checks and balances. And we're seeing that the judicial branch is taking the adults position in the room, thankfully. Uh, so we are, it's very interesting for me to see how patriotism is playing out because Congress seems confused about patriotism and uh, although the president, you know, the administrative branch is trying to realign things, it itself is having a hard time aligning the people. Yeah, um, the executive and legislative branches are a little bit hamstrung, pardon the phrase, but I mean, they're, they're tied up by politics, right, more than anything. Um, and we've covered this and we'll probably start going back to some of the earlier episodes Um like in season one and whatnot, just to kind of bring back some of those themes. But we had talked about that, you know, in, in, in prior episodes, the, the gravity that political parties create and how it warps our system, you know, how it was not necessarily originally envisioned to sustain parties um, because parties are self-interested right and not necessarily align their self-interest with the greater good that the government should be concerned with um and so you see these parties really really you know come come to power so to speak in how they control government after elections and the judiciary so far i mean up until this you know up until recent decades perhaps Maybe some people can argue it's always been a little bit political, but it's supposed to not be political, right? The judiciary is supposed to be all about the law and interpreting the law. Regardless of your politics, you should be using logic and precedence and the written word of the law passed by various legislatures. It's scary to me to think that we have this three-legged table and we're really leaning on one. And, and what is reassuring, though, is that we've seen disbarment, right? We've seen action from the judiciary that is actually giving us clear guidance, which is the whole idea, the ruling, the idea of the ruling, the decision. Uh, I just hope that people continue to follow the rulings, right? How long can the system bear the political elites stoking their base 
and then blaming the courts. We saw it a little during the Bush administration, right? Activist courts uh, was a big topic during that time. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's been interesting to see how the courts have gotten involved in, in elections, um, especially because historically they, they haven't really gotten involved in elections. Usually the elected bodies uh, resolve elections. So let's make that a, a pivot point to, to, to just revisit a little bit of, you know, what, what happened on January 6th, what could have happened, um, not necessarily just storming the Capitol, but the idea of counting the electors' votes in those mahogany boxes that were, you know, in Congress and the Senate. And what votes get placed in those mahogany boxes, right? Because these were the votes of the slates of electors from the Electoral College in many cases. And so those slates of electors are chosen by each state based on each state's rules or laws. Back in the day, um, if we go all the way back, presidents were selected by a vote in the Senate. <laughs> if I recall correctly. Um, and then if the Senate couldn't come to a clear conclusion on who was going to be the president, then it went to the House, uh, which involved more votes. You know, so that's the old school way of doing things before um, we were all fully enfranchised with our vote. Our representatives were the ones selecting the president. Um, and if you go back, you know, to that around that era, state houses were, you know, eventually also involved in selecting who a state was voting for for president right and so on january 6 one of the arguments that was being made um especially like georgia i don't know if many of the other states were having to face down some of these these arguments they were saying well we don't have confidence in the voting that was executed at the county level we want the state house to replace the popular vote, <clears throat> excuse me, the popular vote um, where individuals cast their ballots at the county, throw that out and just take a vote in their legislature, right? So the legislature in a lot of these cases was controlled by Republicans. So they had a vested interest to throw out the electors that were selected by the people <laughs> and replace them with their own. And historically speaking, they have the power and the authority to do that. Now, they didn't um, because that power play came too late and they didn't line up their secretaries of states. And, you know, too many people were beholden to their constitutions rather than these crazy people that are telling them not to listen to their constitutions at the state level. You know, it's, it's pretty severe. Um, I don't know if I, you know, I haven't seen the, any of the documentaries yet on it and whatnot, but we, we came very close to slipping back into a time of the past in America, you know, and when, you know, the elites really executed elections or conducted elections on our behalf. <laughs> and that didn't happen, thankfully, right? Um, they preserved the boxes, people stormed the Capitol to try and interrupt that process but they preserve the boxes and those boxes contain the results of the people's vote. And let's be clear again, the staff, right? The, the unpaid staff yeah. and the, of the, of the Capitol preserve the boxes. All right. The, the senators and all of them cowered and, and, and barricaded the doors and then claim later that it was tourists 
So it's it's really a challenging situation um, to see that there was an active effort. And I think this is what we're going to show in the end. The investigation may show that there was an active consorted effort to actually overturn the election, to destroy the ballots, just to create the confusion, just to force the states to have to go back and revisit this. And that level of chaos would have been detrimental to the entire system. It would have shaken the very core of what our constitution is. And, and I just want to go back to that, Michael. We need to remind our listeners the fact that the government, like the amount of voting power we have now is subjective. The states have a lot of power to overturn our will. And that goes back to what we've said in the past that the, the government doesn't trust us to make our own decisions, right? They have to have this pressure valve, which is extremely dangerous, which shows its danger with the January 6th insurrection this pressure valve is extremely dangerous and it's only there for the elites. It's not there for us. It's in case the elites are like, oh, they made the wrong decision this time, right? Yeah. Yeah, they see it as, uh, you know, the, the patriarchy always sees itself as taking care of the system that they put in place. <laughs> um, and so, you know, at any point in time, they can recall or, you know, re-entrench that power. Um, remove the power of the choice from us and further Republican size, uh, meaning, you know, more enfranchise our representatives than the citizens, right? So it's, it's a struggle between a dichotomy between Republic representative democracy through, you know, our Republic versus small D democracy, making each individual's voice count. Um, and that dichotomy, you know, that <laughs> that little bit of stress there has always been present, ever present in our system. And we, we have to be careful not to slide back away from having greater democracy, which is what we have today when your vote counts. But make no mistake about it, more important than democracy is the republic functioning, is the republic working. So these valves are there to uphold maybe or sustain in a moment of crisis the legitimacy of our system that it can come to a conclusion right we can botch an election and still have a decision and move forward it may not be the popular choice <laughs> but the republic continues to live another day and then perhaps make itself a more perfect union in the future but it doesn't always concern itself with that in the moment right it's more interested in survival And so when so, you think about, oh, mm -hmm. go ahead. No, I was going to say, right. rather than let the system appear a failure, you know, there's these moments of patriarchy that get inserted to say, okay, well, that didn't work. It's okay. We can work around it. We have mechanisms in place. It's, it's a mature Republic model. I, I, I appreciate those mechanisms and I know they're purposeful. I know they serve a purpose, but you know, when it comes to, you know, so then when we look at patriotism as a topic, you know, where did they violate it? Because to, we all support the, the right to, to protest. We, um, at least myself, I could speak to, I'm very pro-Black Lives Matter protests. Um, I know there was private property damage and such, but what happened that these protesters, that they become not just protesters, they become insurrectionists. Like, what's the difference between protests we saw throughout last summer and what happened at the Capitol? Why can't they be called 
Patriots? <laughs> Great question. Uh, when when protest goes wrong or when the line becomes crossed, um, and it's not just property damage, <laughs> right? So let's uh, let's pivot to some quotes here. Um, Ray and I were talking a little bit about the news because there has recently been you know some sentencing that's happened, and there's a, a judge recently made some headlines here in the sentencing of a man from Michigan. So he. He was one of the individuals who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. And from his point of view and the argument he makes on behalf of his compatriots or comrades who stormed the Capitol is that they are true patriots trying to save the Republic from uh, some kind of false voting records um, for which there is no evidence, right? But they are painting themselves as these patriots and subsequently being arrested and put in jail. You're like a political, you're now going to argue you're a political prisoner somehow. Um, and so in any case, this first decision that came out kind of puts all that to bed because it puts it in crystal clear perspective. And it ties perfectly into the definition of a patriot. So I'm going to skip to one one thing in here that just gets right to the point. So this is quoting the judge in the case when she was delivering the sentencing of this individual who was found guilty. You called yourself and everyone else patriots, but that's not patriotism. This is Judge Amy Berman Jackson. She says patriotism is loyalty to country, loyalty to the Constitution, not loyalty to a head of state. That is the tyranny we rejected on July 4th. And the head of state she's referring to is the King of England. <laughs> so we didn't believe in a king then, and we don't believe in a king now. Wow. And that's, that, and that's, that's a ruling which is, I think, powerful. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to ring throughout history, I hope. And, and there is an ideal that we don't believe in the king. And, and we just need to remind folks, if you haven't listened to past uh, broadcasts, there was no executive branch in the first version of our government. They reluctantly added the executive wing. They never wanted the executive branch. But it became necessary, right? It became necessary for the sake of strategy and, and, and direction and policy. But geez, like they never wanted it. Yeah, very, uh, what is it, once bitten, twice shy. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're going to stand up a whole new system. Let's not just have it topple under the weight of another king. <laughs> right, and, and it was very, it was set up in a way that, you know, the person that you ran against was your vice president. You didn't get to hand pick your vice president. So in a ways, it was a system designed very well for collaboration, which we've abandoned in a sense. Yeah, yeah, politics have come to bear too bring us a unified ticket and things of that nature. So yeah, we had some stumbling blocks early on and we're here now and we're still stumbling. So, <laughs> But if I think about what you just said about what is patriotism, right? It's a loyalty. And, and I do think about that the individuals like those, those state uh, level officials who stuck to their constitution, stuck to the truth because Really, the, it's like we've talked about integrity in business all the time. There's that discussion of integrity. 
it really is just a decision to, oh, I guess I won't steal any customer information. You know, like it's just a decision, right? Yeah. And, and it does require you to critically examine information you're receiving from one place by testing it against another, like read the constitution or <laughs> look up your local state constitution. If you know, you're, if you feel like you are taking an action in defense of that constitution, you should probably read it first to make sure that you're actually, that's what your actions are doing. But you know, this is all a passion play. I have a couple more quotes in here. Um, this is, uh, this is from another, I think this is from another case. Um, but basically, the statement was made by another judge in another case that they're, I mean, the courts are really seeing the insurrectionists as terrorizing members of Congress, essentially, the quote here is. And then in addition to that, you know, patriots are not the ones who attack the operations of Congress. That's revolution, not patriotism. So basically, we all are citizens of the system. We all are beholden to the rules. And the only way the system works is when we all essentially follow the rules together. And that one set of rules is clearly outlined in the Constitution, any subsequent decisions, challenges to it. So but it's right. that loyalty, right? It comes back to loyalty. And, and the, pol the political parties have done a very good job of warping people's sense of where their loyalties should lie, especially, you know, if I want to pick one or the other, when you, when you look at loyalty as a function of a party, it's very Republican capital R way of thinking, right? Being loyal to the party, being loyal to the, the heads of that party, like Liz Cheney just got taken out right as third taken out the wrong phrase but she just lost her seat as third most powerful i think republican in congress right recently that was within the last six months because she her loyalty wasn't to the party her loyalty wasn't to this former head of state her loyalty she, was to the constitution to the system which is not what they want right now in, in the current system, right? They want you to be beholden to in whatever's going to make the most profit and continue to line the pockets of the politicians. I don't know exactly what they're motivated by, but what I am, I, I'm, I'm moved by this idea that, so, so to me, patriotism is almost like getting, I'm just thinking about in my head, like getting on the freeway we all agree and get on these roadways and we all use the roadways on the freeways. For the most part, you have variants once in a while, but the, the, we are capable. The citizens are capable of showing patriotism in the sense of following the law and doing things where we all interact with each other, but also create the greatest harm. I can't think anything other than a freeway traveling at 80 miles per hour, but yet There's we all can lights. pull it off. Inter intersections are an interesting microcosm in following the, the rules right and it's, a, it's an american experiment too uniquely because you don't see it's not very effective in other countries mm -mm. you notice yeah. that like our, our rule of law is a little bit heavier there's there's something going on with left turn lanes in, a, in arizona i don't know about you but people the red light doesn't mean anything to anyone for left turn arrows but it, it, there's still an overall adherence a large adherence to law 
um, I feel and traffic law is one of them, right? Because it's the it's the most likely place you're going to face the judicial system, which is very efficient in in, in passing the judgment and then getting financial compensation. Mm-hmm. And that's if you survive, right? So the first, hopefully, the first inkling is self preservation, and then once you survive the accident, you hope the law doesn't come down on you too hard. I like that. Yeah. Self-preservation. You're right. It probably plays a, I'm always just thinking about the law. That's the only reason I don't run people off the road. Uh, With that, I think we'll have a word from our sponsor. Citizen Do Good. Fulfilling a dream while all possess an intrinsic love for self-rule that is reciprocated with free speech and equal justice under the law, Citizen Do Good values the promise of all of the amendments to the Constitution along with the original core documents. Taken together, they form a framework and an operating manual for the Republic, and it provides us with the means to change with the times. The time is now to deeply re-examine our current implementation of governance for the dawning of a new day. We are a proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good work about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we want to empower all citizens to participate in their republic in a reconstructive way. With that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Please rate the podcast with five stars on iTunes, through the app on the web, or on your device. If you don't feel you can give us five stars, let us know why on our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Also, make sure you check out our newsletter at citizendogood.com. You'll get updates every couple of months on all of our antics, not just the podcast. While you're there, check out the shop, which has specialty merch and provides a way to make a one-time contribution that helps us pay for production and for hosting. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. I think that when we started talking about this episode, how we're going to approach it, I had a much different idea about what patriotism is, um, especially in my youth. You know, I, I thought that was just cheering. I thought that was just yeah, having a flag up, right? I thought that was, I, I didn't get it at that everyday personal responsibility could be patriotism. Um, And I think it's important we talk about this, Mike. I appreciate you putting this one forward because patriotism is being hijacked. Patriotism is at risk of becoming a bad word. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it's a good one to leave us with, right? To talk a little bit about the call to action for each of us. To maybe become a little bit more familiar with the rules are, you know, now that we've got people storming capitals and things of that nature, it behooves all of us to take a moment and refamiliarize ourselves with some of the founding documents, um, not just the federal government's founding documents, but your state, you know, your local government. Uh, take take a minute and go check out your county's website. You know, your county has a website. You're paying taxes for all their salaries. (laughs) Check out what kind of services and and things they have going on there. But the more you know about the Republic and the more you know about how your local government operates, the more, more in power you'll be. And that's truly a patriotic thing to do, right? Like we've been, if we take a step back and we really appreciate the Republic as a gift, from our ancestors, uh, however flawed they may have been, 
the idea of this country and and this is something many presidents have brought up many politicians or you know representatives throughout the years have brought up the fact that this country is difficult and it's difficult for a good reason because it's born of an idea not of a blood or of a culture and it's the idea that we're all born with an inalienable rights and we should be free to pursue happiness and this whole thing's been set up to help facilitate that at the end and loyalty to that you know loyalty to this pretty amazing system it's unique on the earth and it's entrusted to us to you know keep improving it making it a more perfect union how, how could you be how, what could be less uh, you know more patriotic than that caring about that and speaking up for it you know it's okay for us to be critical it's important for us to be critical i mean that's you know tough love is probably the truest love <laughs> and i don't mean that you know from a physically abusive perspective but when you critically examine things like these systems that we're all beholden to and that are supposed to help us all along you know we can make them better we can't make them better if we don't look at things critically so you know that's the kind of love we have to bring to the table um, and it's not looking at it critically just why it not just why it doesn't work for me you know it's it's for all of us too but you know what if it's the selfish motivation you know that gets you to that point where you're investing your time and your energy into becoming more of a patriot then that's fine with me <laughs> kind of whatever gets you there right it's um interesting as i think about what we can do as a call to action, I feel more and more that you just have to engage in the conversation. Um, for me, Patriot, and I, I find myself um, being more and more concerned with Patriots, if you will, but now I am pulling back and saying, wait a minute, I just need to be part of the conversation and say, oh, that's not patriotism. They weren't Patriots. You know, Don't let them fool you. It's, it's really patriotism is following the law following the constitution, following the common bond. And I think we all can understand what was wrong with January 6th is what's wrong with any, if anybody did that to your house. I mean, that is the people's house, which means it is your house as well. And we all know there are rules when it comes to barging into someone's front door or even breaking their window, which is even worse. That general bond, that I think patriotic ideal that we respect the property that we respect each other's space, if you will, it, it was violated then. And I don't understand how any American, good American can look at what happened that day and not understand why it crossed the line and why it was an absolute violation. Yeah, I can't get my mind unstuck from the sports metaphors. I mean, when we talk about peaceful transition of power, and that's like one of the biggest ceremonies that makes our republic peaceful, is that whole transition of power is that the loser concedes. Everything about that to me smacks of sports. You know, you we're such a sports culture and we have such a sports mentality, then think of it from that perspective, right? What what ball game do you want to watch or play in where the rules can be changed mid game? Right. And 
you can contest who who won or lost the game at the end in in perpetuity like how, how in any way is any of that definitive and helpful to move forward just like in sports you know we have to be good losers in politics we also have to be we have to be good sports and good losers in that in that perspective right we have to concede power when it makes sense based on the rules we've all agreed to ahead of time it's amazing to me that you keep drawing these intersectionalities and things i didn't even like which is sports but now i feel armed and ready to to have a bold conversation about uh, trying to bring certain people along to understand why constitution matters and why the process matters that was interrupted on the 6th. Yeah, guess what? There's going to be another election. The rules say we do it every four years. <laughs> so, you know, get, get come back, play the game better next time, right? And And maybe your ideas will win, maybe they won't. But we'll have four years to figure that out. No one election is the end of anything in our system it can't be we we can't survive that way no it can't be someone receiving a um a positive test a drug test cannot be a a media swell that changes policies for the olympic organization right so i feel like the olympics themselves the rules are the rules we all follow the rules and if they're wrong we change them that's patriotism. And I, I didn't think about that until the end of this, uh, this, this episode today. It's been interesting to actually have my own evolution on patriotism and, and realize that the more we do things the same and the more we follow the rules is actually being patriotic. Especially when there's any amount of sacrifice involved in it, right, on our own for ourselves. So... I think that's a good place to leave things. We'll see if we get feedback on this one. Uh, maybe there's some other ideas out there on how you all are feeling about patriotism. But I think Ray and I, Ray, you mentioned we, maybe we have a mission now to reclaim that title and make sure we you know, reposition exactly what patriotism is so that it doesn't get confused. I agree with you. Uh, and I appreciate you supporting that because I, I didn't think about it so much until today that it is it is a challenge. It's, it's a benefit to have patriotism. What happened in our past and our history was great, but it's part of our history. You don't relive that. You don't try to reignite and have it happen again. Um, experiencing history is one thing. I think trying to revive it and have a, a grand reliving of it is dangerous. Um, so, so learn from history, folks. Don't use history as your planning mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to make it repeat itself. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You just need, <laughs> need to be it aware of need, it. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't need, need your help. help. It doesn't need help. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to close us out. So we have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr., and thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. It truly has been patriotic, in my opinion. Yeah, it's been something, that's for sure. For information on this and other episodes, head over to citizenduga.com and click on podcast. While you're there, hit up the contact us page and leave a comment. 
We'd love to hear from the community. Special thanks to you, our listeners. We save the best for last. You are the best and you have been for years. Thanks for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jocks under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fisley and Studios, Inc. 